You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. I'm Earl Green, and this is your Sci-Fi 5, five minutes of science fiction history for November 1st. According to historians, it was 47 years ago today that Swan, the enigmatic and successful musician turned record producer, first opened the doors to the Paradise, a nightclub that would be the crown jewel of Swan's career, which is certainly saying something since he earned his first gold record at the age of 14. In fact, it was rumored that he amassed so many gold records that he once entertained the notion of depositing them in Fort Knox. At least, that is what we are told, thanks to narration by Rod Serling, at the beginning of Brian De Palma's Phantom of the Paradise, which, along with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, might possibly be one of the best cult horror musicals of all time. When Brian De Palma and Louise Rose sat down to write the screenplay for Phantom of the Paradise, they took a handful of sources as inspiration. Obviously, the 1910 novel and the multitude of film adaptations for Gaston LaRue's Phantom of the Opera are evident. However, there are aspects of the picture of Dorian Gray and even Faust in the movie, too. While yesterday marked the end of October and Halloween, after this brief message, we'll be doling out a few more treats as we discuss this remarkable movie on its 47th anniversary. While attempting to avoid major spoilers, the gist of the plot for Phantom of the Paradise involves the villainous Swan, wonderfully portrayed by singer and songwriter Paul Williams. Swan is looking for the perfect music to open the paradise, and he finds it when the naive Winslow Leach, played by the late William Finley, auditions, playing a number from his musical adaptation of Faust. After having his music stolen by Swan and being sent to prison on a false drug charge, Leach escapes but is horribly disfigured when his head is caught in a record press at Swan's production facility, resulting in the now crazed and vengeful Leech becoming the Phantom of the Paradise. At the time of Phantom of the Paradise's release, De Palma found some success with 1972's Sisters, a horror film starring the late Margot Kidder. After shopping around the project to film studios and failing to find the necessary funding for the picture for a couple of years, the director decided that since the movie was intended to be a horror musical with comedic elements, he should see if record studios might be interested in investing. That approach failed, and another source of funding had to be located, but it most certainly bore fruit when Brian De Palma made the acquaintance of legendary singer-songwriter Paul Williams. Williams would not only play the part of the villainous Swan, but would also be responsible for writing and even performing some of the memorable songs on the film's soundtrack. You might be interested to know, though, that the character has been rumored to have been based on a very real and equally notorious record producer. As in Phantom of the Opera, there is a romantic element to Phantom of the Paradise, a love triangle of sorts thanks to the character of Phoenix, played by the talented Jessica Harper, who would go on to star in Daria Argento's Suspiria, as well as Shock Treatment, the 1981 semi-sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. In addition, the film benefits from the over-the-top performance of future Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Voyager actor Garrett Graham. Graham was on the list of possible actors to portray the role of Odo in DS9 before the late great René Aubergenois landed that part. But how did Phantom of the Paradise fare when it was originally released on November 1st, 1974? Sadly, the answer is not so good. 
while it failed to earn back its reported $1.3 million budget, it did find more than a modicum of success in Winnipeg, Canada, playing continuously for months in various theaters, and even being brought back to said theaters for return engagements until 1976. While Brian De Palma and the cast and crew of Phantom of the Paradise obviously did not set out to craft a cult film, the fun, as well as many nods to classic literature and horror films, make it stand out today. This has been 5 Minutes of Science Fiction History, your daily Sci-Fi 5 for November 1st. Sci-Fi 5 is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.